On today's episode of The Glue Guys, an episode that I have wanted to do for 159 days. Part one of our two-part podcast concerning the Levert line. We are going to go through the list of players in the NBA who are maybe kind of sort of definitely available and we're going to determine whether you would give up Karis LeVert in a trade for one of those players. The names on the list include Giannis, all the way down to Demonis Sabonis. So we are going to determine Karis LeVert's true trade value and whether you actually want to give him up. Always trying to trade your boys. It's a damn shame. <laughs> Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike Yersale O'Brien. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. By the way, thank you everyone who continues to sign up for The Athletic via our URL code, which is TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. You can get in right now just for a buck a month yeah. to start. I don't know how long the buck a month goes for. It could go for three months, six months, a year, maybe a buck a month. What's been great, I, I know the numbers. Yeah, Glue, Glue Nation is ripping big time. Our like per listenership numbers are off the charts for the number of people that actually sign up for the athletic, and it makes me look so damn good. He's a little star to my bosses. A little star in the office. And also, while we're at it, uh, five stars we need, and we want to have them on iTunes. Brian, Mike, the Nets are back. No, no, they're not. No, <laughs> okay. no. great, great pod. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, soon, soon, sooner than we think. We have. A really special episode, if you didn't hear the little intro at the very beginning, what we're going to do today is to determine Karis LeVert's true trade value in the NBA. This is called the LeVert line, and we will run through the list of players who are probably available, could be available, may be available, probably not available. Like There's a wide range from Giannis to Sabonis, and we're going to determine where LeVert fits in You, you all put that. Sabonis at the bottom of that picture, and then we, got, we have stuff to talk about. No, it's just, it rhymes with Giannis. Ah, yes, we get it. And I've been reading a lot of children's books lately, so rhyming is a big part That's of my big. life. That's big for you. But before we get there, Brian, mm. this is called little tease, little little opening section here. That's what, that's what this is called the little opening section. That's what the, that's the industry jargon. Good. That's yeah. what Francesa. Francesa yeah. was the first person to coin this. Yeah. He said, "Yo, let's do a little opening section." That's my Francesa. Um, dog attacking people. Sorry. As, as per normal, how's yeah. the girl singing in your background? For now, she starts at three p.m. I think her those those vocal lessons. So she's probably you know heating up some honey and tea right now, warming up the pipe. I can't wait until she's like the world's most famous singer and she's going to roast this podcaster who's angry that his little Nets pod was having her. Trust me, Mike. I, I ain't worried about it. Okay. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard the singing. <laughs> Sorry. What, what um, did you want to talk about? Is it a little opening thing? A little, a little opening section about the Clippers. So the Clippers embarrassingly lost. They were up 3-1 in their series against the Nuggets. That game seven was a debacle among one of the best debacles we ever had in a game seven a from debacle. an NBA team. And I think the, the my main thing that I want to talk about is pretty much immediately after the Clippers lost, they were getting compared to this upcoming Brooklyn Nets team in that 
super talented team, two superstars merging onto a young upstart roster that has talent. And wow, look how it goes wrong. I totally disagree with the premise. Complete. I completely disagree Wait, with that premise. Are the people, comparison people taking that comparison seriously? They're taking it to heart? People are taking it extremely to heart. I mean, I understand the, on paper, the Nets being like the little brother of the Knicks and the Clippers being the little brother of the Lakers, both acquiring superstar two superstars in the same offseason. I get it, but... But really, if you look at it, the Clippers roster isn't like a young upstart roster. It's actually a little a little old and crusty. And most of their players are old and crusty individual players. Like, love Montrose Harrell, but he's like, I get the ball, I score the ball. Lou Williams, I get the ball, I score the ball. Paul George, not, not a, a, exactly a cohesive piece offensively. He can do, he's a great utility guy in that way. Like, he can shoot threes and he can drive to the hoop, but... He isn't a guy that's going to be the gel for the offense. And Kawhi's the same way, too, yeah. actually. It's kind of funny, too. It's like Steve Nash stuff that we're talking about so much for, for ourselves. Uh, what really rises to the forefront is like navigating the egos and sort of being a more like 80% of therapist versus like 20% X's and O's. And I think in the Lakers case, they could have flipped it because the, the egos of the guys, I mean, like Kawhi had his like issues with San Antonio or whatever, but like. I don't think anybody accuses Kawhi of having like a too big of a personality to fit with other people. Like, <laughs> and and you know, like Lou Williams has his like personality for sure, but he seems like generally like very agreeable. Like, so it's well, for them. It wasn't really about massaging the egos. It's more about how to be better than the sum of your parts. You know, um, and they couldn't really they couldn't get there, Mike. Although it seemed like they were going to get. I mean, they were up three to one, so like they kind of like their their butt fell out, but. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, and I see the the problem all year was that, like, they never were locked in. And, like, you could say that's personality, but they acted like a team that knew that they could flip the switch. And the, the switch was never fully flipped, right? It was more of a dimmer. And we never fully brightened the room. It was always, there was always a little bit of brightness we could have got to, and we didn't get there. Well, I was going to say also, like, a little bit of a referendum just on how these teams are constructed. And, and in this way, I can kind of squint and say, like, oh, I'm a little bit concerned about the Nets or whatever. Uh, because like the referendum here was, you know, the two teams coming out of the West right now are teams that are completely built around gravity sucking centers of the elite kind, <laughs> which we definitely don't have. And, you know, the two teams that they beat don't have. Um, so I'm wondering if this is a little bit of the league zagging back to more traditional kind of center play, you know? Yeah. I mean, not, not we, really, but like, I don't think so. Ha having like that, like as a weapon on your team that is otherwise built to like, you know, still play analytics-based basketball or whatever, is I think that's the kind of the best of both worlds. You have your guy who you can plug away and just um, like crush in the playoffs or whatever when the, the game really slows down, which is kind of what Kevin Durant does. So yeah, anyways, I'm not worried about it. It's fine. We have well, Durant. and it's interesting because the Clippers, I mean, no, almost no team in NBA history has had more wing talent than the Clippers just by having Kawhi and Paul George. And they do, I mean, Montrose Harrell's like a fine, particularly a fine offensive center. And Zubac is defensively, metrics would say he's one of the best defensive centers in the NBA, uh, but they have no guard play, right? So it, they are an interesting test case on if you don't have a guy who can just sort of like run an offense in, in even the DJ Augustine sense of running an offense, middle of the road, fine complimentary piece. They don't have that. And that did screw them up at the end because that end of that game against the Nuggets was, it was like, that was turnovers it was ugly offense it was Kawhi doing his like I'm gonna drive my shoulder into you and then shoot my very like like straightforward jump shot that usually goes in every time 
from the mid-range, and he couldn't get it done in that game. The, now, the Clip, the Lakers are kind of, they also have that same problem, but like LeBron really is a point guard. We just, we refuse to sort of acknowledge that he is that. And back into the Nets part of it, though, it's just that it's different because really the roster's were constructed differently. Yes, both the Nets and Clippers were are, were surprise teams last year, and then they get these superstars. But the Nets are going to have a much better three through nine than the Clippers had this season. And I, I mean, I think Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to fit together beautifully. Wow, you do. I don't know what like the real concern is because Kyrie Irving played with LeBron James, right? Like he played and won a championship with LeBron and went to finals with LeBron. He's comfortable or at least capable of playing with a ball dominant wing who probably should have the his ball and the you know his hands on the ball way more than Kyrie. And like I just think the fit's better. I think it's a totally different team. I think like the fact that KD was hurt this year mentally, it'll be a me- better mental preparation because the problem with the Clippers was their mentality. Their mentality was off. They they acted like they were better than what they really were. They weren't a hungry team. And I think our, these Nets are going to be a hungry team, Brian. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And we'll come back and we'll talk Levert line. Great. I need a break. Oof, that was a lot. It was sure nice seeing the teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend, Brian. It was nice. Lucky for us, that was just week one. There is no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to all of the excitement of week two, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. Brian, that is right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins... You can cash a cool Benjamin Franklin. How could you pass that up? If you're new to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app now to scout their latest offers. Bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, a sportsbook that goes wherever you go. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit with and withdraw your money at your convenience. Here's what you need to do. Go on your phone, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now, and use promo code QUICK when you sign up for this can't-miss offer. All you have to do is pick any team during week two, bet just $1 on them, and win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code QUICK during sign-up. It's for a limited time, so let's get this going here, folks. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Brian, this is, oh my gosh, this is just so exciting. I'm closing my eyes in excitement. Yeah. That's how excited I am. Mike, the Levert line. <laughs> make sure we do the, this prologue, though, because here's the thing. We're going to get, the torches are going to come out. The the Karis <laughs> Levert faithful, who, the of proud whom, boy torches, as we were talking about <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah, apparently you can't wear Sperry's anymore. Anyways, I don't know. Don't get me started. They're taking up too much fashion. They're taking up too much fashion. Yeah, but I'm saying that the Karis Levert torch bearers, of who I think I might even be one, okay? If you've listened, if you've, I wrote a whole thing about Karis Levert that was on Nets Daily at the beginning of the season that was effusive, effusive, embarrassingly effusive, I might I might say. So, you know, I'm one of you guys. I'm just, I'm just, I have a show that's with Mike who's ruthless. The guy is ruthless. He doesn't have a conscience. He just wants to trade everybody. What can I say? 
So I am ruthless. I'm heartless. I'm yeah. soulless. But I'm a pragmatist, Brian. Okay? I come from a long line of pragmatists. I understand. Um, actually, <laughs> the smelters are not a practical people. We're not. Um, really? But anyways, the, the so the Levert line, yes. The, the, here's the caveat, the giant caveat. This is... This is a thought experiment, yes. okay? And let's not police our thoughts. No. Right? <laughs> yes. This okay? is the marketplace of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're going to do is I cobbled together a list of like 18 players that may be available in the trade market. These aren't free agents. These are trades. And, you know, we're trying to diagnose the Nets' third star debate. Now, not all of these guys are third stars. Aaron Gordon's on the list. He's not a third star. But he's on the list because... We understand he may be available. The Nets have been linked to him before in the past. And what we want to do is like figure out, okay, how truly valuable is Karis LeVert, right? And I th- I think I'm going to already kind of ruin the the end of this. I think we're going to find out that LeVert, I would rather have LeVert than most of these people. Right. So the way that I kind of think about it is like it's a spectrum, right? And so like one end of the spectrum at the far end of the yes spectrum is like, James Harden and Giannis, right? Like, okay, if you can are get them. Are we sure James Harden's there? <laughs> I mean, if you're, I mean, really, <laughs> how how much are we going to get in the weeds with, like, what the trade package is? Because that, obviously, but if it's, like, the core not, piece of Karis LeVert, like, yeah, obviously you do that, right? It's not going to be too weedy. Okay. There's, there's going to be some brushing up we need to Basically, do. Basically, I'm some, saying, like, whacking. you can trade up, up until everybody not named Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and if you're getting back James Harden, I think you probably you probably do it. I don't know. Is that crazy? Am I? Are you going to contest that? We'll, point? we'll talk about it wow. when we get into Anyways, it. Anyways, so the visualization is at the far end. There's like a yes spectrum, and then there's a no spectrum at the bottom of which is who? Let me see here. Who's a no? Kevin Love. You know that feels like a pretty solid no. Yeah. <laughs> Did I ruin that? <laughs> and then, and then somewhere the the gradient is you know a lot of maybes, and then somewhere there is a Karis Levert sitting nestled perfectly right between two names. And it, and it's not necessarily a middle, right? It could be a a, a cushy yeah, top, seventy five percent, eighty, ninety percent of the way in for sure. Right. So let's start it off. Um, what I will give you, I'll give you the name of the player. I'll give you some contract information, and then Brian and I are going to do. And it's going to be kind of quick. We're going to yeah, keep it moving because we have twenty people, and I have two children, and I ain't got time for that. Brian, the first name up on the Levert line spectrum is Kevin Love. Uh, <laughs> I blew that. I blew it. I know you can see his salary, but it is shocking to is know shocking. that he is three years left I know. at $31 million per year. Now, to get put some respect on the name, yeah. another NBA champion, he did average 18, 10, and three, three assists. Incredibly respectful. It was it on a, was on a team that wanted anything but to pass to him to score a basket. Like they didn't, that was not a priority on any level. So he's not dead. Like we act like Kevin Love is a dead NBA player. I think if Kevin Love would discover was discovered on another team, he would have a renaissance. There would be a renaissance of love, if you will. Um, so Kevin Wesley Love. Let's not even figure out salaries, but would you would you trade Karis LeVert for Kevin Love? I even j- despite him having more in the tank, I believe it, and there's going to be some version of competitive basketball and Kevin Love's future. I don't think it's with the Brooklyn Nets, and it's certainly not exchange for Cherboy Karis LeVert, not in my mind, Mike. Not for my money. I totally agree. Karis LeVert, you'd rather have Karis LeVert because he's he's a better he's going to be a better defender for what you're going to need next season. 
He can run an offense much more than Kevin Love is. He can fit into an offense better than Kevin Love, though Kevin Love as a three-point shooting four right. is it, intriguing. It's something that we we want and people often are like, that's a, a utility player that people need. But, um, you know, I know you were saying, like, don't pay attention to the contract. It's impossible. I can't not. It's a, it's a giant black hole that I get sucked into if I think about it. So, like, you know, at any at any rate, like for any exchange of players, like, that's just too much money to spend on Kevin Love. I'm sorry, I can't do it. If this was the Nets two years ago, though, when before they even got D'Angelo Russell, and you're telling me I could get Kevin Love for nothing? Now, apparently the Cavs want Kevin Love, like want something for Kevin Love. They're not going to give him up. If I was that type of team, I would want Kevin Love. Now, I could see like the Knicks getting Kevin Love and Chris Paul and that being their their ride or die team into the eighth seed. Um, But I don't not for the Nets. He's not for the Nets. Don't you think that also they're playing a dangerous game with that? Like he is truly disgruntled. He's a vestige from a former good team. And like, <clears throat> I think it's probably just like driving him insane to still be involved with that organization. Like how long can you realistically maintain that level of, I don't know, not good vibes uh, and have it not affect like the trade value down the road? I mean, like I think they have like a year or two to get rid of him. I probably this year before it truly curdles and now they're losing value. Well, it's so their team is so weird because they have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland as the guards, two like young, highly drafted guards, and then their bigs are Andre Drummond and Kevin Love. Like it is the polar opposites of what you want. You have these young guards who don't know how to play, and these bigs who are super expensive, who have who have nothing to do with the guards because the guards are ball hogs, and then they're going to draft someone else in the top five and he's probably going to ruin the team. It'll probably be LaMelo ball. <laughs> yeah, and that right. team will be a disgusting mess. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, our next player on the Levert line is someone that has been discussed plenty regarding the Brooklyn Nets. I think our boy scoop B Robinson on Twitter has reported that there has been discussions between the Nets and Pelicans. Drew holiday. Drew holiday has one year left at 26 million. And then he has a player option at 27 million. So that meaning next season is the only guaranteed year you have with Drew Holiday. Brian. Mm. Drew Holiday. We talked about this. On your Levert line. So the scoop uh, reporting, though, has the package looking more like Spencer Dinwiddie as the lead asset. So interesting to keep that on the forefront of our minds as we discuss this, Mike. So the rumor in this case. Put it right there on the, yeah, on the cerebral on, cortex. Right, just right, that just that is? put it on a post-it and stick it to your forehead. That's how on the Person. front of your mind I want this to be. Um, but so anyways, if this was like that package actually is kind of compelling, but um, quite, <laughs> but I think that that is, this is, I mean, the problem for, for the Drew Holiday thing is like, now we're right at the line for me. This is, this is pretty much where I would, I would have my line. Cause I'm not sure about Drew Holiday. I don't know that that's, we talked about this on the last show. Um, the contract situation isn't ideal, right? He's not like in lockstep with Kyrie and Kevin Durant's uh, contra- contracts, which will go two years beyond his. Um, and you're giving up Karis LeVert, who's got, whose contract is right in line with those two other guys. So um, basically it means that you're still in this reconfiguring thing in two years, potentially. And if not, you know, things have gone well and you probably bring Drew Holiday back or whatever. Um, I think that people are very keen on Drew Holiday because there's been a whole lot of reporting about him being an underrated defender, like the world's best defender. Nobody talks about it. That's been echoed now super consistently on Twitter and that's great. And that's fine. And I'm sure there's plenty of analytics that prove that stuff out. Um, 
defenders should be lauded and and valued greatly in the way that I think that they're slowly becoming. Um, that's not to say that they're elite level superstar players worthy of trading guys who are young like Harris Levert, who are trending consistently upwards, who you see a lot of growth in. Um, you know, I think there's a a just a an arc here that we need to consider in terms of where their ceilings are, where they're headed, and if this is the right decision for for your one lone chance to really nail that third, and we're gonna call like a full blown superstar, right? If you want a three headed Miami Heat style monster, does Drew Holiday deliver on that Chris Bosch style third piece? I don't think he has elevated his game to that level. Right. So I think if the Nets if it was the Scoop B. Robinson package, which does not involve Karis LeVert, you would be excited about Drew Holiday for sure. I think the key point, and you brought this up, if the Nets traded Karis LeVert in a Drew Holiday package, now maybe it's just basically one and one, and there's some sat like you throw in Torian Prince, and because there's Torian Prince, the Nets maybe need to put the this 76ers first round pick, but then the Pelicans are giving up a little extra and make it a little even. I don't know, like Lonzo Ball or who knows? Who knows what it would be? Josh Hart? Give me some Josh Hart. I'll take I think it. Lonzo Ball's in like throw him away status already. That's where. Well, he's there's rumors that he's not long for New Orleans. It may be that he's going to New York to play with LaMelo if somehow LaMelo drops to the Knicks. There's there's a lot of buzz. But I would. So if it's like just Drew, let's just say in a vacuum, no salaries, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Drew Holiday for Levert, that is a tough decision, and that is where it's a pretty close line. Because what you get in Drew Holiday is you get the defense and all that stuff. But as we were hinting, I to me, it's a little like if you give up Karis Levert for Drew Holiday, it's a little Tobias Harris trade to the Sixers mm. where mm. Mm-hmm. you're throwing these assets into a trade to get a guy who's going to cost max money or just about max money in Drew Holiday's case, and you're missing out on the best deal. If the Sixers didn't make that Tobias Harris trade, if they had just held on, and if they obviously if they held on to Jimmy Butler, they would have the ability to get the into talks with getting Drew Holiday or getting another big piece to add to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but they made that trade, and that has kind of damaged their team for the next four years because they have no flexibility. Unless if they trade and beat or Simmons. I love like no one wants Horford and no one really wants Tobias Harris. Everything you just said, I love it. I especially love the Jimmy Butler invocation because I think that weirdly, you know, Karras is kind has some Jimmy Butler esque qualities to him. <clears throat> I mean, again, like he's twenty five and Jimmy Butler also an older guard who came on late in his career at twenty only like they they're very consistent almost in terms of that kind of output. Um sorry that German Shepherd's eating somebody again. Um but anyway, so, uh, but yes, the Tobias Harris thing is a perfect, perfect comparison, I would say, in this case. And I think that they're going to be kicking themselves for a long time for that. Next up on the list, and this is someone that is not available and definitely won't be available this year, but he needs to be included on the list because he is someone who could desire to come back to the New York City tri state region. Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is four years left under Max. He just got D'Angelo Russell. I would figure they were going to take a full year to really let that soak in and marinate before Towns is saying, I got to get out of here. I mean, he still has four years left, so it's it'd be it'd be a pretty grumpy dude to get out of there. I think, but I think Towns is, a, is an absolute, you would give up Levert for, I would give up Levert for Carl Anthony Towns. If, if, if so presented, if given the opportunity where Towns says, I want to be out on the market, I want to go, I'll go anywhere but Minnesota, 
I think you give up Levert and you probably give up Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and two first round picks. Like you give up a lot. Yeah. yeah. Everything. I mean, having watched a little bit of Cat and when he, I mean, he played really well that first night that he played against the Nets, I yeah. remember just being like, oh my God. Like, and, and, uh, it is also important to say that he's exactly what we would want position wise in terms of filling out the the ranks. It would be just like such an ideal fit. You can't not say like everybody goes in a world where cats on the table. Yeah, you would you basically do the Paul George offer. You know, you would do the five first round picks or splash pick swaps. You would do the Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like you would you would make good young player plus draft picks to get that because positionally. If you had Cat on the floor with KD and Kyrie, those are three elite three-point shooters who can all create their own shot. And then it's like, okay, like let's get Joe Harris out there. And it does you could have who whoever. Yeah, really, yeah, really. Whoever. Okay. So but he's a yes, but he's also extremely unlikely. So that's understood. Next up on the list, uh, volume score, someone who is available for what we understand. Someone who Kevin Durant himself has said he really likes watching play basketball and thinks is extremely talented and possibly, Durant didn't say this, but supernova in terms of level of talent. Zach Levine of your Chicago Bulls, just two years left on his contract for $19.5 million per year. That is a pretty tiny sum, and that would make it very easy to get him, particularly if you do include Karis LeVert. Is he a yes, maybe, or no on your list to the Karis LeVert line? So he's a low maybe. So, um, and probably more like a no for me. Um, I'll just, I'll just, I'll promote him to no. Uh, but he, he, yeah. So basically like all the question marks surrounding like whether Karius is the third star, all that stuff centers around like how much playmaking do we need? Is there a lot of redundancy there? And does he need the ball to be effective and blah, blah, blah. And like Levine doesn't answer any of those questions at all. It just creates, he has less of the utility player mindset than Levert, I think. And that's pretty clear. And so for those reasons, like, yeah, not great. But I mean, the reason why he's hanging on by a tiny thread to a maybe is like, I actually don't even know if you do it straight up. Like, I think I think I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't trade Karis Levert for Levine straight up if I had to really gun to my head. I I wouldn't, but I'll say this about Zach Levine. So I say he's a no to me. But the thing about Zach Levine is that like, if Levert averaged what Zach Levine averages, which is this season on a weird Bulls team. It was 25 points, five five rebounds, four assists, 38% from three, 80% from the line. That is, those are tight, tight numbers. Yeah, those are good. If Levert averaged that, then there'd be no question. You would never trade Levert. But the thing that you're missing with Zach Levine is complete lack of defense and the fact that he's only been on bad teams for pretty much his whole career. So, like... Levert, like, I think the defensive component for Levert, though, like, he hasn't been consistent with it. There was that game in Boston right before Kenny got fired when they had, it was like the Chioza, like all the G League Nets plus Levert out there on the floor. The Nets made that big comeback. Levert was a monster defensively from the wing, and he has that potential to be like that every game where Levine had, like, I guess he has the potential. He's just never shown it. So I think the defensive component is why you would 100% say no. And like you say, redundancy and playmaking. And like if you're getting Zach Levine, he becomes just a spot up shooter reactor, which is elite. He would be elite at that potentially. But come on. I mean, I think the de- like the team would so be lacking defensively that it would be damaging. Next up on the list. Defensive player of the year, 
candidate or winner pretty much every year in the past like five seasons. Um, the player who ignited the coronavirus scandal in the NBA, Rudy Gobert. Mm. Um, Rudy Gobert has just one year left at $26 million per year. And then I think he has like a super max looming because he keeps getting onto all NBA teams, as he should. So that's a super max. Now, I don't know if the Nets can offer him a super max if he gets traded this offseason. We previously heard that there was some Gobert smoke about getting traded, but now we understand that the Jazz are going to try to stick it out with Mitchell and Gobert and be, just because we're not going to they're not going to get anything better. Before I we get to yes no maybe, I'll say this one quote from Kevin Durant. This is from JJ Reddick's podcast and JJ Reddick is now usurped us as the best Nets podcast cuz all he does is bring on Nets people, which is interesting cuz JJ Reddick lives in Brooklyn. Maybe there's some smoke there. This is what Durant had to say. There's a huge discrepancy between what players think and what the media thinks. I see a lot of defensive player of the years who teams have targeted in the playoffs and had to play them off the court because they couldn't guard a pick and roll. He could only be talking about like five people. It's basically Giannis, Gobert, and Dwight Howard. And I don't think he's talking about Dwight Howard. Um... He's talking about Rudy Gobert, and I agree with him. Gobert was bad in the playoffs. He was, like, I'm not I'm sure he wasn't bad defensively, but he was unimpressive. I, I'm i off the Gobert train. I don't, from what I understand about his personality, is that, like, he wants post-touches, like every center does. I previously loved the thought of Gobert, because if you get him, that's like a, he makes your defense, but I worry that he's going to, he's going to have a downturn here pretty soon for me gobert is one of those guys where there are people who are like really capable defenders of gobert you know because they analyze he's such a unique player and the analytics in those unique columns are so good for him right he's like so elite as as rim protector as he should be and all this stuff and so like you can always get pressured by those guys who are really pro gobert and be like oh yeah you're right he's great he's great and he's you know an elite center and blah 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 blah. and then like <laughs> and then you know time passes and you're like eh, I, I don't know so how do i feel about this guy is that really the way to like build a cohesive successful basketball team and my line of thinking of that is i always come back to the same thing which is like to your point like Yes, you know, rim protection is this very valuable thing. Is it max salary valuable? Is that, is it, is it, you know, get the guy more touches valuable? Um, are you able to shear off a lot of the things that you don't like about his game, which is basically like an inability to be playing rotational defense to make it work? Um, because in my line of thinking, it's, you know, you, you need rim protection, a certain level of it at, at all times, uh, but like not... Not you don't need to be basically like anchored at the rim all the time, which is why Jared Allen I think is like I would argue a better version of that because the, he doesn't give so much up in terms of mobility. Like he can he can pick up a small forward who's coming down the lane at the free throw line and and actually make it difficult in a, in a totally different way and actually play passing lanes and all that good stuff. So not to say that like Jared Allen's a better defender, some total better defender in a very specific way with that kind of team defense. I might I can make an argument. I think I could. Yeah, and it is compelling to think about Gobert and Durant on the floor together, just the length you would have defensively. Like, you would have maximum co- like rim protection coverage. There wouldn't be – Durant's a phenomenal weak side blocker, weak side defender, and Gobert's obviously a great defender overall. Super fun. But – and the the one sort of uh, 
my son and I have been looking at the planets lately as like planets on his ceiling, you know, and we like we'll, we'll, yeah, say, oh, that's Venus where life is you're, now. You're big on Venus. This, this story big, hits you home. Huh? Big on Venus. Um, Gobert is a planet defensively. He, he's not quite the sun at this point. He was, but he's a planet. He's got many moons. He's Jupiter. Okay. Mm, big planet. Um, but there is also Saturn in the name of De- DeAndre Jordan. And they both cannot exist on the floor together. And DeAndre Jordan is incredibly important to this team. And we talked about this last spot about the Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan question. Who's going to win that argument? Like, how is Steve Nash going to navigate who starts and who plays more minutes? Like, you can't really bring on Gobert and then just turn around to DeAndre Jordan and say, you're only going to you're only going to play 12 minutes a game because Gobert's playing 36. And we're not putting it on the floor together because that would be offensively, that would be suicide. So DeAndre Jordan would immediately become useless. And for all you people out there who are building trade packages that include DeAndre Jordan in them, you can stop doing that. I'm telling you, you can stop doing that because the Nets are not trading DeAndre Jordan. They just won't. Marks is smart enough to know that he can't do that. So I think Gobert, uh, it's interesting. I think if you, if I put together a package of, Lavert, I think it would take basically Lavert and Didwitty and Jared Allen to get Gobert off the Jazz, and because that's the package, I wouldn't do it. If it was just straight up Lavert and Gobert, I think it's a maybe, but I probably wouldn't do it just because you're gonna have to pay that supermax, and I think Gobert is gonna head towards decline and not an ascension. Next up on the list is someone who the Nets have been linked to many times before, Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's deal, two years left, 18.1 this upcoming season, then 16.4, declining. Um, you know, I didn't watch much of the Magic in the playoffs. Was uh, I believe featured. our boy Aaron did not really do much. So that's my feeling about Aaron Gordon. It's like, he look at his numbers, 14 points per game, eight rebounds, about four assists, 31% from three, which is like, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, like, it's not disastrous, but it's also, you're not really like super excited. He's floating down the perimeter for you. I understand the Aaron Gordon argument. I think Zach Lowe has classified him in the past as like Draymond green light. And that is intriguing. If you have a beefy athletic center who can also pick up the ball and push it down the floor, but you're not giving up Karis Levert for Aaron Gordon. You're just not like the only reason you do that is that you truly believe positionally Levert is too repetitive with the amount of ball handlers that you already have. So I think there's no way the Nets give up Karis LeVert for Aaron Gordon. What say you, Brian? Yeah, I'm just trying to find out his... I don't know why I'm caring about his playoffs numbers. They don't matter. Um, But uh, yeah, we've talked about Aaron Gordon a lot in the past, and I've always been on the side of no no thank you, and potentially trending downwards in a way that should make people uncomfortable. Um. So yeah, uh, there's a lot of reasons, and many of them you just said, but uh, I just don't see a way in, in which I would ever include Karis LeVert in a package that brought back Aaron Gordon. And I think if it was a non-Karis LeVert package, sure, that's yeah. not the conversation we're no, having. It's right? not. I think it's not. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on the Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, everybody... Yeah, hydrate your body. Yeah, everybody, hydrate your body, right? 
Hydration's back. All right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon lime, put it in my water, and I get that energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. Next up on the list is one of the best podcasters in the NBA. He has had Kevin Durant on his podcast before. Um, they also had some beef back in the past that led to Kevin Durant being on this pod. Uh, he is a true delight. His wife, fiance, just finished dentistry school at Columbia, I believe. CJ McCollum. Um, CJ McCollum, four years left of a max contract. Um, he is an incredibly impressive offensive player. You know, if you love Bradley Beal, essentially CJ McCollum is that, right? It's like maybe a little bit less pure ball handling, but CJ's 22 points, four rebounds, four, four and a half assists, 38% from three. Um, he's going to be like a perfect two guard next to Kyrie. Do you give up Karis Levert for CJ McCollum? Um, so this is where we get into the maybe yes territory here, Mike. This is one of the, the rare maybe yeses. Um, and for a lot of reasons, but I mean, like the one that's sort of like most coming to mind is in the in the sort of Bradley Beal vein. Uh, this feels like a, a slightly better fit, uh, but mostly because it's like kind of a Clay Thompson fit, right? It's like this is this is your go to spot up shooter who actually wants to be doing that and defers to that and is about that life at a super high level. Um, and so for those reasons, it doesn't ruffle any feathers, fits neatly into a system that really would benefit him. Um, so on and so forth. It's like he kind of takes a lot of the boxes that Karis doesn't with spot-up shooting, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, so for those reasons, I do think it's a it's an easier, more, like, easier basketball decision, I think, on its face. That's not to say that Karis Levert, we don't kick ourselves three years down the line when he's, you know, two times what Anthony Hardaway ever wanted to be. Um that's possible. I'm open to that idea. But as, as it stands today, I do think that that's right about where the line is. Yeah. The only thing you tick down is something about the what Amin El Hassan said to us, which is like, what does this team need? This team needs versatile defenders. They don't really need extra ball handling. Not that CJ is a ball handler purely, but he definitely fits better offensively. Though if he's your backcourt and you're also playing Joe Harris, that's Kyrie, CJ McCollum and Joe Harris. There's 
it's and then it's Durant and DeAndre. It's a limiting like you don't have that Robert Covington type, you know. And and Levert is bigger. He has the size to do it. But yeah, you make whatever the I don't know what the deal would be, and that's a difficult part of the McCollum discussion where it's like I don't think the Trailblazers are in sell mode. I feel like they had to feel pretty good when they yeah when they got everyone back. Like that team was really good, and I think they feel confident going into next season that if they make a big trade, then they could be one of the teams that are contending in a serious way in the West. So McCollum is probably not available, though he has been rumored in the past to maybe be the guy that they would part with. I think if you and that's the other, if you try to get McCollum, it would have to be like Lavert and Dinwiddie or Lavert and Jared. Like you're adding assets purely from Lavert line. McCollum's above it. He's a yes, but in reality, not going to happen. The next player on the list is a guard who hails from the same part of the world that Kevin Durant was from. Kevin Durant's from PG County, Maryland. Victor Oladipo's from Montgomery County, Maryland, which are neighboring counties. Both border the District of Columbia. Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo. Just one year left at $21 million. The Pacers are in a bit of tumult. Right now, they fired Nate McMillan. There's uh, unclear what direction they're going to go in now. Victor Oladipo just came back from injury to finish out the season in the bubble. He did not look all that good. But in 2017 and 2018, when he was at his peak, he was 23 points per game, four assists, five rebounds, 2.4 steals, and 37% from three. He's a defender, a shooter, Kind of, well, he's pretty good. He's good enough, and he can score. And so he does the Levert ball handling aspect plus a little elevation offensive game. Where are you with Victor Oladipo? So just as a basketball asset, and I don't know. I mean, I'm got to assume that Indiana is not super in sell mode with Victor Oladipo either. Um, the, so the stat line that you just said was from two years ago, and where he currently at is that is is you know the coming back from injury stat line. So <clears throat> for me, it's like that player, that's a no brainer. That's like the better kind of not better, maybe, but like the, the drew holiday scenario with like a little bit more upside, um, yeah. more juice. in there. T- Yeah. Tiny bit more juice. Um, however, the current situation and, you know, brings me no joy to say it, but you know, the post injury situation is not super clear. And for that reason, I just kind of have like a, you know, Karras himself has gone through a lot of injury stuff like that. You know, um, I just think I just think I'd, I'd want to see a little bit more Victor get back to healthy sort of basketball before I, I trade away our our rising star prodigy homegrown special guy. You know, I don't, I don't think I want to do it. I totally agree. I think at this point, it's a no. It could be a yes midseason. And let's say the Pacers aren't that good, but Victor Oladipo has reasserted himself as one of the best young two guards in the league. I mean, he is 28 years old, so I shouldn't even say young. You know, he's two years older than Karis LeVert, he, but one of the best two guards in the league. That's what he was in the 17-18 season. Um, he's a no right now, but he's like, let's put him on hold. And I think there's probably some good Durant connection that we're not factoring in too much. All right, well, let's cut off the pod right there. Coming up in part two of the Levert line are certain players that you will be very interested in, including Bradley Beal, Giannis, Ben Simmons, and James Harden. 
among many others. So this is part one. Thank you so much for listening. Part two will be in your ears on Monday morning. And then we would love your feedback. Go to netspot at gmail.com and send in your thoughts to the Levert line and send in your own suggestions about where you would rank Levert in all of these trade assets. 